Father, we're thankful again for the opportunity to share. We ask for your Holy Spirit as we consider more of the movement that has led to the three angels' message, especially in the areas of justification by faith and liberty of conscience. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All righty. Uh, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> continuing the, the concepts, uh, we're going to do a little uh, brief re- review. We talked about the Christian pillars and platform last time and that the, the pillars that we have, Adventism, are built on the, on the uh, four pillars of Protestantism. And uh, I mentioned last time that creation and uh, the fall of man, <clears throat> I've got bigger ones, but this is just a kind of a summary. Uh, the, the four bottom, creation, fall of man, law of God, and atonement, these are all being rejected within Protestantism today. And the only ones who really continue with all of it are Seventh-day Adventists. And there may be a few, you know, individuals, but as a, as a whole, uh, Protestantism has turned aside from uh, these concepts. Adventism came along and built on the same foundation. And Daniel 9, uh, Christ, when he began his ministry, he said, the time is fulfilled, repent and believe the gospel. The only time that it could have been was um, um, Daniel 9, 24 through 27, 70-year prophecy tells when he was baptized and when he would be crucified. And, and this, the early church believed this. Adventism came along and built on the same prophecy, going back to chapter 8 of Daniel, uh, under 2300 days then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And I think yesterday we looked a little bit at the word, that certain one, the one who gave the uh, 2300 year prophecy was Christ himself. That certain one is related to um, Isaiah 9-6. It talks about he's the wonderful, the everlasting father, that type of thing. And so <clears throat> clearly it was Christ. The marginal reference in some of the old King James versions said that it was a wonderful numberer um, and that, that type of thing. So it was Christ who was actually the one doing it. Now, in uh, we also considered the uh, cross as central. And uh, we looked at the chapter 12 of Revelation. <clears throat> you have the woman and the dragon and the child to begin with. The devil's trying to destroy the church. And then at the last, the bottom A, you have the, the woman, the dragon, and the remnant that God had called, has called. In between, you have the woman's flight for 1260 days, and the woman's flight for time, time, and dividing with time, verse 14. And then war in heaven, war on earth, and in the center of it is the cross of Christ, God's people overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by their own testimony. We talked about the faith of Jesus the last couple of days, that the faith of Christ is his faith that he exercised while he was here on the earth. And it's the faith that believes not only in the absence of feelings, but against them. And then, now, I'm going to start now to see some differences here uh, between the feudal system in uh, Europe, and by the way, <clears throat> there are some here in the States who are trying to bring us back to the feudal system. Mm-hmm. But look at this, the uh, peasants and serfs, were the, they were on the bottom, bottom layer, then you have the knights and lords, nobles and bishops, then the kings and emperors, and on top of the heap is the pope. And this is what, this, this pope is totally opposed to capitalism. You, you hear him speak, he speaks out against it on a regular basis, and he believes that we should give all our money to him <clears throat> so he can distribute it to the poor, but it's going to go in their pocket and keep it, you know, so that type of, so. But anyhow, there are pro, pro, uh, politicians in the United States that are trying to take us back to that. I think this whole global movement is he's one. Kind of liberal, uh, what? He seems to, he's portraying a liberal. Uh, you, you know. Yeah, but watch him. He's... Uh, He's a dishonest man, <laughs> and, and uh, he's, he's very charismatic, there's no doubt about that, but uh, he's getting things done his way, at, at least for the time being. Uh, <clears throat> now, I want to come, come to the point here on justification by faith and liberty of conscience. In the Protestant Reformation, and we, we quoted Luther, he said, the, the essence of faith is liberty of conscience. Ellen White quotes him four times uh, in four different places. 
And <clears throat> this was his idea, and, well, I, I believe it's the idea of Christ. Liberty of conscience is attached and it's inseparable to justification by faith. Uh, from liberty of conscience, you have the priesthood of all believers. And this came out of the Protestant Reformation. From that, you have the free markets. These people were entrepreneurs, and they began to spell, uh, spread out. A middle class was developing uh, in Germany, and in Holland, and in, uh, in England, and then eventually the United States. And you have uh, economics. The word economics actually comes out of the Reformation. It wasn't used before that time. And uh, then from that, you have capitalism, which is hated by many today. And, and capitalism made some terrible mistakes. I mean, uh, there are some that would like to draw all their capital to themselves and not share with other people. There's no doubt about it. But the idea is not wrong. It, uh, capitalism is simply uh, private individuals making money apart from the government. The government not, not controlling them, well, taxes and things like this. but. Uh, but that's the idea of it. In the, in the feudal system, it's top-down. Pope is in charge, then your kings, your emperors, they're, they're in charge. And that's where the, you know, the divine right of kings comes from, this concept that, that um, it's easier to control one person than a multitude of people. And so during the Reformation and afterwards, people were, were uh, arguing against the... Uh, uh, the um, 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 the, uh, the, the fight was over divine right of kings, both in England and in uh, the rest of Germany. What? You're looking for the word authority. No, 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 uh, no. Divine right of kings. When the United States was established, they decided to throw out the king and throw out the pope. They didn't want a priest in charge of the church, and didn't want a pope in, or a king in charge of politics. And, but that's been fought against uh, ever since it started. And, and, but anyhow, from capitalism, you have constitutional government. And this is how it was started. It started with justification by faith, and then the puzzles started fitting together uh, on that. Now, we want to look at a timeline of events from 1517 to 1884, 1844. Uh, you have first the Protestant Reformation when uh, Luther was on trial at the, at the uh, Council of Worms. And one of his last statements that he made was, here I stand, I take, I take my stand, I cannot go against my conscience. So he realized that conscience was a part of the religious experience and he refused to cave into that. And so out of that came the idea of liberty of conscience. Uh, then 1529, you have the protest of the princes at the Council of Spires. And uh, three years before, 1526, there had been granted, the princes had been granted freedom to have Protestantism or Catholicism in their, in their, uh, their jurisdiction. By 1529, the emperor was pushing, and the pope was pushing, to, throw, to outlaw that. And, uh, and it was just a minority of princes that stood up and said, no, <laughs> they protested that nonsense. And that's where we get the, the term uh, Protestants, uh, or uh, protesters. But I mentioned, I think, the first day, the word uh, Protestant comes from a Latin word. Uh, it's called potastere. Pro means for, and tastere means a testament or a witness. So the idea of, of a Protestant is one who protests what's evil, but also gives a witness for that which is good, which is uh, Christ, that type of thing. That's what we need to be as witnesses. Yes. Well, we need to protest that which is evil, <laughs> but we need to uh, give a testimony uh, for, for what's good, for God. Uh, 14, 1545, you have the Council of Trent, and that's when the Church of Rome marshaled against the, the um, Reformation. You have the Counter-Reformation coming out of that, with Jesuits leading the, leading the pack in that. And then we have the, uh, uh, in 1572, the uh, when the, or in that, during that period of time, the gospel was making tremendous inroads into France. And, but the papacy persuaded the king, I think it was one of the queen mothers behind it also, to get rid of the Huguenots. And so they killed thousands upon thousands just in a couple of days, and then it went on for several weeks and months. Many of the Huguenots fled. 
Some went to Germany, some Switzerland, some to Holland, England, and, and eventually the United States. Wherever the Huguenots have gone, they have established, they were tremendous workers, uh, tremendous leaders, and there was a brain drain in France over, uh, over this, and they've never recovered from it, and I don't think they ever will. What do you mean a brain drain? Well, these men, you had, some were politicians, some were military leaders. Um, guys. Yeah, and, uh, and you had, but you had farmers, you had all, all kinds of people. Whatever they did, they did well. And it was because they'd accepted the concepts of, uh, of, of Protestantism. Mm -hmm. And um, when they were driven out or they fled, in fact, many, uh, some came to America, many of our presidents either were full-blooded Huguenots or they were, they had Huguenot blood in them. In fact, George For uh, Gerald Ford from here has, uh, he had Huguenot blood in him. Yeah. George Washington also, I think he was a full-blooded Huguenot if I remember correctly. But there were several of them that, that were, were uh, come from that stock. Um, <clears throat> then we have uh, the 17th century was the Dutch Republic, it's called the Golden Age. They actually uh, did more commerce on the oceans than uh, Spain or England. They built tremendous ships and uh, they, they went around to the Spice Islands uh, through Southern Africa, or yeah, the, the, the Horn of Africa and um, they were tremendous, and, but it was the Protestant aspect. That the northern part was uh, Protestant, it was a smaller geographical place. The southern was Spanish or uh, Catholic, and it was Spanish, uh, the Spanish army was coming up trying to curtail or to recapture the Protestants. And England finally came to their, their uh, aid, but there was something else that happened. You've heard, and we're gonna look at this a little bit later, the, uh, the uh, Spanish Armada. Armada. Uh, where they were trying to destroy uh, England. In fact, I guess we've got it here, but I'm, I've got some more information on it. But uh, this was generated by the by the papacy. It was uh, also carried out by uh, Jesuits. They were behind this movement of getting the Arm uh, the Arma Arma <laughs> I'm going to say Armageddon, the Armada going. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> then you have uh, 1604 was, there's, I'm just, not just throwing dates at you, but I wanna, especially this one, 1604 is when the proposal was made to have a new English Bible, which became the King James Version of the Bible. And uh, there was a tremendous conflict going there. <clears throat> and a year later, it's called the Gunpowder Plot. This is when, again, Jesuits behind this, tried to assassinate King James and all of the people in the legislative, they're gonna do it in one fell sweep, swoop. And, uh, but it was, it was stopped, and we'll look at that a little bit later also. And then 1611, the King James Version was finally finished. But if the gunpowder plot had been carried out, we would not have a King James Version. You and I would not be probably speaking English. We would not be a Protestant nation. We would be a Catholic nation. That's how serious this thing is. Yeah, yeah, it had to be God. Stop. He had to stop the, the ships coming in uh, to, uh, that, well, there were several, uh, you have two, two uh, dignitaries. You have Queen, Queen Elizabeth under the Armada, and there had been many, many attempts to assassinate her, and they could not get the job done. Um, Philip of Spain felt that uh, he'd married, I think, uh, Mary Queen of Scots before that, but he didn't stick with her very long but he felt that uh, England should be a part of Spain. And he, so he was, it was his military that uh, tried, to, tried to capture it. But anyhow, it, it failed, we thank God that it has. Then we have the, um, that, that's when the Protestant Bible was finished. Then 1620, the pilgrims came to America. 1776, the Declaration of Independence. And then uh, 89, you have the Constitution signed and then 91, the Bill of Rights. And then uh, 1798, the Papal Wound was completed. We looked at that a little bit yesterday. And then uh, 1804, you have the, uh, both 1804 and 1816, you have the major thrust of Bible societies. 1804 was British, 1816 was the United St or, uh, American Bible Society that was founded. And then 1844, that's when God's final work begins. And uh, the future is yet <laughs> before us. Uh, but anyhow, that's kind of an overview. We'll look at some of the details. 
And the question is, why did God choose America um, to be the birthplace and the cradle of Adventism? Um, well, for one reason, it was, it was a long ways away from, from Rome. Uh, what? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, yeah, both in England uh, by Protestants and in the mainland by uh, mainland by by the papacy, but so that there's a physical distance and um, uh, geography in those days was m much more significant than today. Today, jump in a plane and go anywhere, but in those days, it took several days, sometimes weeks or months, to get here, and uh, so to get the Adventist message started. Um, it had, there had to be a geographical point far distant from Rome so they could not get at it. Uh, a social distance also. The, the new country was not going to follow the thought patterns that were uh, followed in Europe. And uh, uh, opportunities were opened up in the new world that could not have been opened up in the, in the old. And then uh, there would be a civil distance, a civil system that was developed. It was modeled after the common law of uh, England, uh, but it was, self, it was supposed to be a self-governing nation that pro, uh, promoted freedom, especially religious freedom. Then you have an intellectual distance from Rome, and this was the development of uh, and being uncumbered by uh, Rome's control. Remember that their educational system was to keep the people in ignorance. And when Protestantism became popular with, with the schools, then the papacy began establishing schools. And I've got a picture or a drawing. I don't have it. I, did, I couldn't find it uh, this morning. But um, I've had it for a long time, and I, I couldn't figure out where it came from. But it, it's a picture of, of uh, papists. They, you know, they have this, the, uh, what do you call it, that... Um, the cap that they have looks like a fish head. Oh, yeah. And there's a picture of, of a number of them in the water, in the Atlantic Ocean coming, coming up on land. Oh, I've seen that yeah, and, and I finally found out where it was, where I got it from, or where I, I found the source. It was, it was by a uh, Irish priest in Chicago, and he was warning the United States of the educational system of the papacy. They're going to destroy Protestantism. And so you have a man standing on shore with a Bible in his, <laughs> in his hand protecting the kids. And then up on the hill, you have a, a noose with a, uh, where they're hanging people. <laughs> but, um, but we know that, that uh, the papacy has been after the educational system here in America. And I think they've accomplished their, their purpose uh, already. But anyhow, so uh, intellectual development was, was free here, at least for a while. Now, in 1453... Constantinople fell by the, the Ottomans. The Turks came in, captured Constantinople. Constantinople was the, the trading center between Europe and Asia. And the, what had happened when the, when the Muslims won, or when they captured um, Constantinople, they were trying for 150 or 200 years, when they finally fell, then you had your intellectuals in Greece or Constantinople that fled uh, into the main part of Europe. And they brought with them Greek manuscripts where they, um, uh, that were, the Protestants developed those and, and started writing Bibles from, uh, from those manuscripts. And, but that's what happened at that time. Now, something else took place, and uh, <clears throat> these trade routes the Europeans could no longer go to the East Indies and to China for the silk and that type of thing, perfume and, and uh, uh, whatever else they needed because they were controlled by Muslims. And here are some of the uh, trade routes. Uh, you have, well, the, you see that picture on the top? You've got uh, purple on the top. That's Protestant uh, Europe. The yellow is uh, the Muslim control, and they were in control from the Atlantic to the Pacific. And they had control of all the trade routes. And the, the green one is, went into, directly into China. The mid one, the red one, or orange, whatever it is, that went primarily to India and then the Spice Islands with a, one leg up into China. And then the lower one of the southern route was uh, um, along those same lines. They followed the same routes. But this was cut off by the Muslims. And 
this is the reason then, uh, well, in 1492, uh, Spain drove out all the Muslims out of Spain. Uh, out of Spain. It was King, King uh, Ferdinand and Isabella. And uh, then you have Columbus coming and proposing a new route to India by sailing west. Do you recall what the what the belief was about the ocean, about sailing, sailing on the ocean? What, yeah, okay, I've got a picture here uh, of that. Yeah, the Church of Rome said, and they weren't the only ones, but it was the mentality that if you sail too far on the ocean, you're going to drop off at the end. And so they, said, they discouraged people from doing that. Uh, but Columbus evidently read, uh, Isaiah, I think it was Isaiah, where it talks about the circle of the earth. And that gave him the idea that uh, if, the, if the earth is circular, then we should be able to sail west and, and come back again to where we began, but at least get to India. That's what they were trying to, trying to find, these uh, trade routes. And uh, so he, he took off from, uh, from there. He was a Portuguese, but he was flying under the, under the uh, Spanish flag uh, to find that tr trade route. And the result was that he discovered islands in the Caribbean. And there were, we figured it was Dominican Republic that we know it uh, as today. Uh, there were other nations that sent out many explorers. There was France, Holland, England, and others. But the English headed, uh, well, uh, they went to North America. The Spanish uh, took Central and South America. And uh, Spain was trying to capture the United States. There was no United States at the time, but they were uh, California, Arizona, Texas, uh, part of Louisiana, and Florida. These were all under under uh, how did they deal people. With the Indians? Uh, how did they deal with the Indians? The Indians were receptive to them, or no? They, well, they, no. They made wow. slaves out of them, uh, took them back to Europe. Um, they they made the made the Indians. They converted the Indians under fire. And then they made them work in their gold mines and silver mines in uh, South America. Uh, then you have Russia coming in from the north. They were uh, probably in Washington State setting up trade posts. And by the time the early, uh, late 1700s, early 1800s, in fact, it was the Monroe Doctrine, we may get into that later, um, in the 1920s, they put a stop to all of that. Uh, what had happened in Europe when France had fallen during the Reformation, their revolution, uh, Spain had lost uh, control of the world, and but they were trying to reestablish that. They had there was what they called the Holy, the Holy Alliance, and uh, they were trying to reestablish kings in France and in Spain, and to get or to buck them up. And their goal was to come to the Americas and reestablish the uh, Catholic faith, but also that the government would have control. And uh, Monroe said, no, that's not going to happen. He said, if you do anything to the Central and South, South America, we're going to consider it as uh, fighting against us. We'll come to the and they said, and then they meant Russia, they said, uh, there's going to be no more colonization in the United States. And so Russia backed away, and all of them backed away, because Britain had sided with the United States they by, by that. The, uh, with the Catholic Church was involved, am I seeing it right? The Catholic Church was yes. involved in that. So they had a lot of power, and so either Russia backed down from them, is that? Yes, yeah. Well, there was, there was, the coalition was between Russia, um, Russia and Prussia, and uh, Austria. They were the three main parties in they the state. Well, yeah, they wanted to fight. They were the ones that were pushing back, trying to establish the, the kings. And the pope was behind the scenes. Now, his, his name is not on any of the contracts, but they have, in their writing about this, they were thanking him for the, his input. <laughs> and we, we know that he was behind it, huh? He's behind the scenes. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's very popular outward. Yeah, and, and uh, it, uh, but it, it was a miser miserable failure. Um, then, now, the new country that would be in America here, that was unknown to Columbus, would it, be, it would be built on new principles, not on Catholic principles. And that's where the Protestantism came in. And I believe God uh, put his borders here so that they could not come in. Um, it wouldn't be the Catholic model. Uh, there, it was to be a country that 
that uh, could nurture the three angels' messages. There had to be a place of freedom where the concepts could, de could develop and then go to the whole world. And that's exactly what we see. But we need to remember that God is the one who planned this from eternity. This is not just a Johnny-come-lately movement. Um, now, coming back now, England was Protestant. Rome saw that she had to control England if she was going to control the developing world. And so that was one of the reasons they were attacking Queen Elizabeth. Uh, actually, Philip tried to marry her, and she, <laughs> she refused. <laughs> Uh, he did marry an English one who was a queen before uh, Elizabeth. Actually, Elizabeth thought she was going to be killed uh, because she was next in line. It was a mess, you know, but her dad was King uh, Henry VIII, but he had others. And um, she was expecting that she would be uh, executed. When they came to get her, she thought that was what was going to happen. She was sitting under a tree studying Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> she was a very brilliant woman. And uh, when they told her that she was the next queen, she breathed a sigh of relief. And, uh, but yeah, yeah. And, uh, but she ruled pretty, pretty sternly. She, was, uh, she didn't back down from the, from the papists. Um, now, but, and it was the Jesuits who led in the Spanish Armada and in the gunpowder plot. We're going to look at the gunpowder plot a little bit later uh, in England. There was a tremendous struggle uh, with the Armada trying to capture England, but not, they didn't attack directly. They probably could have won England had they gone directly to England, but instead they went to uh, Holland where there was uh, an attachment of uh, uh, foot soldiers. And they were to pick these men up and then ferry them across the channel uh, to England. While they were, while they were uh, in the harbor there, uh, winds, strong winds from the west came up. And the British, uh, Francis Drake, by, uh, you probably remember him in history. Uh, he, I think he was the first one who went around South, South America into the Pacific. He was a pirate. And he, he had been pirating uh, Spanish galleons that came from uh, uh, America with gold and silver. And, uh, but the queen put him in charge of some of the military. He finally anointed him as a, as a knight. But I think it was his idea, but there were others that were involved in it too. When they saw those ships over there, the wind blowing, they decided to send in what they called fire ships. They would uh, set fire to these wooden ships, fix the sails, and then jump off and let them, let them go. They would stir them until they could. And these ships, I've got a, I think I've got a drawing of it here a little bit. These ships would f sail into the armada and they'd catch fire, and, and they were burning. Many of them were burning, and the Spanish began to panic. Some of them were able to pick their, their anchors out of the water, but some couldn't fast enough, so they cut the cord so they were anchorless, <laughs> and they took off. They took up north in the North Sea, and they were surround, uh, going past Scotland and, uh, and down the other side of, of uh, Ireland and back home. But they didn't make it. Uh, they lost almost all their ships uh, in this. But I've got... Uh, uh, sending the Spanish Armada to destroy Protestant England was seen as a crucial uh, element to the crisis of the Reformation. Rome instigated Spain to go against England with her mighty Spanish Armada. She was the strongest nation in the world at this time. Spain, Spain was, yes. And, uh, and had plenty of money. But here's a drawing of that, uh, the English fire ships that were sent into, the, into that Armada as they were anchored. And, uh, and as they, they pulled out, um, they, uh, they, well, they, were, they lost their bid for uh, global dom uh, dominance. Um, as they were heading up the, the North Sea, and um, they got caught in the rocks in Scotland, Scotland and some of the other outer islands that were up there. They smashed many of them. See, they were anchor many of them were anchorless, and so they had no control. <laughs> And the wind was blowing them into the rocks, and many of them were destroyed. Uh, and they, they were, this is what broke the back of the, of the Spanish military. They were, they've never been as strong, and they never will be. But I believe God is the one that put his hand over. He said, you come thus far and no farther. Yes? Is God primarily in the storm? Well, he has control of the winds. <laughs> At least use storms to step back. 
Yeah. Well, some sometimes he he simply uses uh, um, uses natural sort. You know, I believe that's what he happened. Yeah. But that wind came up pretty strongly that night when they were uh, over there sitting in the in the harbor. And as they uh, and then the, nearly the whole uh, the whole navy was destroyed at that time. And uh, uh, so that one went down. That one did down the tube. Um, but this defeat of the Spanish Armada was very significant in terms of English power, but also in terms of Seventh-day Adventism. If the Armada had succeeded, I do not believe there would be a Seventh-day Adventist church as we know it today. Because God was preparing the world for the Third Angel's message, and it had to be here in America. And if... Way in the future. Yeah, well... Three or four hundred years. Yeah. 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 And so, <clears throat> um, England, of course, would have been a. Uh, they would have been part of Spain, the government of Spain. And here, this is uh, what a man wrote um, a couple, of, three years ago, four, two years ago. The Spanish Armada, a military offensive launched by Roman Catholic Spain, suffered defeat in 1588, keeping Protestant England permanently out of the hands of the Pope. Now, that's, it's going to change. <laughs> we, are, we see now where the British are moving more and more uh, toward, the, toward the Pope. But the Protestant British Empire became the dominant power rather than the Spanish Catholic power. And as England, um, well, I'm going to mention to it, note that most Spanish-speaking countries are strongly Catholic. We find that worldwide. Yeah. And... Uh, most English-speaking countries are Protestant. That doesn't mean English is better than Spanish, but they're connected. It's the connection. The, the Protestant Bible, uh, English Bible, is what developed through the English as they went out colonizing. They brought the, the Protestant uh, religion with them, as well as uh, making colonies. And uh, uh, yeah, because of the Protestant Reformation in England and, and the Bible uh, in English, England colonized the world, taking English and Protestantism everywhere. Wherever English was spoken, Rome was severely limited in power. This happened all over the world when it, as it happened. God knew that North America would be an excellent place to nurture Adventism only if it was separated from Rome in its language, and that would be Latin as well as uh, Spanish. And there's not, again, I, I'm not picking on any language. I, I uh, enjoy Spanish, listen, listening to Spanish. Uh, but if the Spanish Armada had been successful, England would have become Catholic and America would not have become what it did. It would have been an impossibility unless God would have taken another stand. But uh, so God separated the language and the geography from Rome and uh, uh, education provided intellectual distance from Rome. We mentioned that earlier and Protestantism provided spiritual deliverance. The United States became a major power player and kept Rome from limiting the development of the Adventist message. Uh, and that's, we, know, we know this would have happened. In fact, it's, even now they're trying to, trying to get rid of it. In, you know, in South America, not just the Adventists, but your, your Pentecostals, your Baptists, and the Adventists are the ones that are having the greatest inroads among the Catholic believers. And uh, not this pope, but the one before, no, it would have been Pope Pius, uh, Pope Paul the. John Paul, uh, he was there over there three or four or five times, but he was doing that to bring his fold together so they wouldn't be captured by these fundamentalists. I was a Pentecostal and it's spreading every time. Yeah, yeah. But this feeling motivation is the key, I think, Satan is using it. Yeah. Depend on your feelings. But this Pope is a tongue-speaking charismatic. This one yes, I have a picture of being anointed by a Catholic charismatic before while he was archbishop in, in uh, South America. Well, I heard him join with one of the speakers on television. I saw him yeah. acting. Yeah, that's the reason. They were the same spirit. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, the uh, now what about we mentioned about this gunpowder powder plot? What was this about? Well. As we mentioned, the Jesuits laid, uh, led the way with the Spanish Armada, and they also led the way with the gunpowder plot. Um, this, uh, this was uh, 
you have four entities there in England. King James came to the throne. You have the Church of England, the Puritans, and the Catholics. These were the main, the main players. The Puritans were trying to purify the Church of England, and they were going to King James looking for help with this, and he despised the Puritans. He, they, were, they were Calvinistic. While he was in Scotland, they gave him a hard time, and so he, didn't, he really didn't want anything to do with them, but they were pretty powerful in England. And they made a suggestion that we, they needed a new uh, Protestant Bible. And he, that was the only thing that he picked up from them, but he, he didn't like them at all. And so these, uh, the Catholics were coming out with a new Bible, and uh, the Puritans already had one that we called the Geneva Bible. I think we've got a list of them here, a uh, little bit here. Here, uh, uh, maybe I don't. But anyhow, the, uh, the, the English were concerned about the Catholics. They were coming out with a better, a better translation, better English translation. It was based on Latin, not on the Greek. And so they, they had 70-some uh, Protestant scholars uh, that sat down. That would be in 1604 to begin translating these transcripts into the English language. And uh, uh, so the Puritans had their, had their input there. And some of the Calvinists did too, and the Church of England. So this, this, this became the King James Version? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and, and the Catholics were furious because they were planning, see what they were planning is that whoever got the, uh, a major Bible, and there were other ones that were already in, in existence, but whoever got the teaching ability would sway the people. And, uh, and that, was, that was the argument at that time. Now here, and this, this is a uh, poem that was uh, written, that, that we don't know who did it, but it was during the 1700s. Um, Guy Fox, Guy Fox. Oh, I think it starts out. Remember, remember, Guy Fox, Guy Fox. Twas his intent to blow up the king and the parliament. Three score barrels of powder below poor old England to overthrow. By God's providence, he was catched with a dark lantern and a burning match. <laughs> so he was a he was a demolition expert, and he had fought with the Spanish in Holland against the Protestants. When he came back to England, he didn't start this plot. There were others. The Jesuits were involved in this, and um, they were uh, he and they brought brought him in because they be he believed he was a man could be trusted, and he was a demolition expert. So he was the one that set everything up under the Parliament. Uh, they would have killed the king, and almost all of Parliament, and many of the translators of the Greek scholars that were writing the the Bible, uh, the, Bi the Bible, and Fox had it figured out that. He would start the explosion or get it going. He had a fuse, and then he would jump in a boat and cross the Thames River and get out of there. He'd go, he would go back to Europe. And, but it never happened. They caught him in the act, and uh, that's how this thing came, how this thing came down. Um, the, this is uh, the Parliament today. This is what uh, Spurgeon had to say. Uh, I think he was only about yeah, 20 years old. And he said, this is the 5th of November. By the way, today they still, they still uh, celebrate what they call Guy Fawkes uh, Day. And it's on the 5th of November. And it's, over, it's because of this gunpowder uh, plot. And this is what uh, Spurgeon had to say. This is the 5th of November, a day notable in English history. The events which transpired on it ought never to be forgotten. On this memorable day, the Catholics foiled in all their schemes for crushing our glorious Protestantism, devised a plot, horrible and diabolical, enough to render them forever hateful amongst upright men. The vast armada of Spain, on which they had relied, had been by the breath of God scattered and given to destruction. And now the cowardly traitors attempted, by the foulest means, the end of which they could not accomplish by open warfare. Under the Houses of Parliament, the deadly powder was concealed, which they hoped would be the death blow to both houses and to annihilate the power of Protestantism. But God looked from heaven. He confounded their knavish tricks. He let their, he let their uh, secrets bare and discovered their treachery. Hallelujah to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, and who guarded us and guards us still from the devices of Rome and hell. Praise to his name, we are free from the Pope of Rome to whom Britons never will be slaves. 
So this was. Uh, Oh yeah, well they were expecting it, but they were they had already planned it. See, they they planned they killed the king and they were going to kidnap kidnap his daughter, and she was only I think seven or eight. So they would have molded her. She would have been the king, or she would have been the queen rather, but she would have been had counselors and she. Short circuit of the war by gaining the power. Yeah, well if they you have you have the people if you have all of nearly all of Parliament destroyed. Uh, the king and the, the, the king's wife, I think, and there was some other relatives that were there, but the daughter was not there. And then uh, uh, they had it all f figured uh, in the uh, outside of England, it was a pretty strong Catholic uh, section, quite a ways away. That's where the battle would have taken place. And they had a, uh, they had a pretty strong... Oh, they had everything planned, absolutely. The leader's gone, they figured we'll right in. Yeah, it'd be nothing but chaos. And... and uh, um, and, and that, but it was stopped, and I believe it was stopped by God. Uh, they had planned this for uh, two or three years. They had the gunpowder uh, ready, and they had, uh, for some reason, the king or the parliament had to change dates. And it was one year, then the next year, then finally November. And so some of the powder in the <laughs> underneath there got damp, and it, it, uh, it wouldn't have exploded anyhow. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I yeah. And I think toward the end, as it was getting close to that day, the Catholics were getting a little nervous and they weren't as careful as they should have been or they would have gotten the job done, but they didn't, uh, they, were, they were rushing to get it done. And uh, that was disastrous also to them. Here's another, this is um, uh, John Flavel, who was a Puritan pastor and author. He lived uh, just, well, this was 1620, 28, well, it would have been a little later than that. Uh, but this took place on uh, 1605. Remember, we had 1604 is when the Protestants met to translate. 1605 was when this powder thing was going to go, the keg. And then 1611, the, the Bible was finally uh, translated. But John Flavel said this in his book. He's got a, tidings from Rome or England's alarm. He said, And, O oh God, would make our honorable representatives in parla Parliament still vigilant, to observe and zealous to oppose the motions of the enemy. We bless the Lord for what you have already done in detecting them so fair, or so far, I'm sorry. But we cannot think our danger over whilst they swarm in such numbers among us. Oh, be as zealous for the Protestant interest as they are against it. If they dare to smite with a fist of wickedness, we hope you will not be afraid to spite them with a sword of justice. Remember what a matchless salvation was once given to our English Parliament. I mean from the powder plot. That Catholic villainy, as one aptly calls it, such a deliverance as ages past cannot parallel in any history. You see they're seeing it very spiritual. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, as we look back, November 1605, the place was London, and the occasion was the seating of the Parliament in the... Uh, plot uh, to assassinate James I. And uh, his family, hundreds of members of parliament, and many of, uh, 40, there were 47, uh, of the 47 scholars who had already started preparing manuscripts for the new Protestant Bible. I think they figured there would be about 300 people that would have perished in that explosion. Um, and all, they would all be leaders in, uh, in England. Um, th but the Bible, this Bible was to become the English-speaking Bible. It didn't it didn't uh, do so right away because it was it was opposed by uh, other other translators, uh, but it finally became the, the most popular of any of them. Now there are three uh, church groups. I mentioned them earlier. <clears throat> they were contending for the hearts and minds of the people, the English people. There were the Anglicans, the Puritans, and the Catholics. Each sought dominance both in the church and in the government, and each had their own version of the Bible. The Bishop's Bible was by the Anglican, the Church of England. The Geneva Bible was uh, used by the Puritans and Calvinists. Actually, the Puritans were Calvinists. And then the Douay-Rheims was uh, the Catholic Bible. And these were all contending for the, for the number one spot. But the gunpowder plot was an attempt to blow up the houses of Parliament, destroy the king and uh, the commons together in hope that the Roman Catholics could then be enabled to seize the government. And, of course, they'd have another translation of the Bible to control the people. In this overthrow, 
the Protestants saw God's sovereignty overruling the Jesuits and his pressuring or preserving of the Protestant faith. The plot's failure certainly changed history, especially American history. If the plot had been successful, they would have they would have changed history and especially American history. Um, if it had been succe uh, successful, the printing and publication of the King James Bible would not have been. It would have been destroyed. So the, there were three G's. They're all J's. <laughs> These are the three of the leading Jesuits uh, in this. There were more of them. Two of them escaped. These men were all executed. But three of the, uh, th uh, two of the Jesuits escaped, went back to they Europe. They were executed, the Jesuits? Huh? The Jesuits were executed? Yes. Oh. Yes. All these, these three men were, yeah. Okay. Uh, the one, uh, Garnet, was the, he was the, I think I've got it here, he was a, a very intelligent man, but uh, he was the head of the Jesuits in, uh, in England. And there's, to this very day, they're trying to, or the Catholics are trying to say that these men were not involved in it. They knew about it, but they... they they were not involved, but the evidence is that they, they were involved. And uh, a lot of what's going on today. Huh? Same thing today. Same Rewriting day. of history. Yeah. Well, this lying and you don't know. Yeah. They're trying to confuse everybody. Yeah. Confuse That's everybody. right. Yeah. So here, this is about him here. Uh, Garnett uh, was previously a Hebrew, uh, Hebrew scholar in Rome. He was. All of these were English men too. They weren't. They weren't uh, other nationalities. He became a superior of his society in England. This is the Jesuit society. Um, the Catholic Society of Jesus called the Jesuits had previously organized for Philip II in the Sp uh, Spanish Armada against Elizabeth I of, uh, in England. So they were involved all the way through here. They are still involved. They're still involved right here in the United States. <laughs> One purpose, and that's to overthrow Protestantism. What? Which, which uh, group is uh, the Catholic Society of Jesus? Yeah, that's the Jesuits. Okay. Yeah. That's the Jesuits. Now, the same society was involved in the plot to murder King James I, the legislators, and some of the Protestant scholars who began work on the Protestant Bible in 1604. However, Adventism is rooted in Protestantism. It was important that it was founded in a Protestant nation. And this is what, what's happened. <clears throat> you have America and uh, Adventism. 1776, Declaration of Independence. 1789, Constitution. Uh, 1791, the Bill of Rights. And in 1844 and following, you have the Three Angels Messages. But I believe this country was established especially for these messages to go to the world. And uh, started, of course, with William Miller. Uh, and then as the Adventist uh, church. And God was forming the remnant people. Uh, the last intervention, intervention by God before the second coming will be the loud cry of the third angel during the time of the latter rain. And that's the message of Christ and his righteousness. Revelation chapter 18. We stopped last time just mentioning chapter 18 and, and I was going to uh, do something on the, on the, two, uh, the two Babylons but uh, I thought this needed to come before that. So, um, Now, what do you think is going to be the last intervention before the second coming of Christ? Well, I've already mentioned it. <laughs> It'll be the latter rain. And then and that, that is what will prepare God's people for his coming. And even then, it's going to be kind of frightening because Isaiah talks about uh, the question that's going to be asked as Christ comes in the clouds of heaven. God's people are going to say, you're going to feel undone who is able to stand and Jesus says audibly my grace is sufficient for you feel yeah. I'm impressed by the Holy Spirit is that because I was Pentecostal that the greatest thing that Satan will do is push tremendously our feelings against us even we'll have to no, stand absolutely and it's got to be overwhelming <clears throat> that's why we need the faith of Jesus we experientially we need to receive it we believe then not only in the absence of feelings, but against them. Yes, sir. So That's this what is I'm it. looking at, against Yeah, them. yeah. So the next, the, um, the next issue will be the coming of Christ. Yeah. We're, living on the, uh, we're living in the greatest time of earth's history. Mm, um, yeah. and we're we're going to see mighty powers by the devil, but we're going to see greater power of God 
uh, working with his people. It's going to be greater than anything that's ever happened. I would love to be part but, of it, uh, yeah. even if I get bumped off. It's just a matter. It's all in God's hands. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, w whether we live or die. Um, I'm trying to keep my joints going, Jerry. <coughs> yeah, I know. Be used. Yeah. The, uh, but Revelation 14, 14, there's a blessing on those who die in the yeah. faith of the so three angels' messages. Sleep, that's God's choice. So we'll be able to see him come. Yeah. If we have faith in Christ, if we die, if we go to the grave believing in Christ, he will raise us in a special resurrection to see him come. He talks come. about so. many will head for the wilderness, but they'll die yeah. on the way. That's probably one me. Yeah. I can see myself live out in the wilderness. Well, but after, not after probation closes. There'll be no. no deaths on part of God's people. Right. But yeah, I mean, yeah. as we... It's a little time of trouble, yeah. As the angel, the one, one thing about the angel shown in the valley, I have to read mm -hmm. that. Somebody was talk, talking to church <coughs> about that. Mm -hmm. He said, you'll be safe in this place. And he actually leads us out to wilderness for the angels. But um, uh, I think uh, depending on your age, God would be merciful. Right. Because we're very old. So when he... When he led the children of Israel, sometimes he went behind, or Moses did. Moses slowed the whole company down, a couple of million people. <laughs> sometimes he would walk with the women and the children in the back. He would, they would not go any faster than the children could go. Oh, yeah. And so God That's is going to stay him today. If, if we can't run, <laughs> if we can only walk, and he'll, and he'll slow down. He had a cloud by day and fire by night, keep yeah. warm. I mean, yeah. But, you know, I say, I wouldn't have did that. Well, maybe I would have. Yeah. I got self, too, you know, and you get, you get out there and you get a little uncomfortable and everything's going to gonna feel perfect to you. Yeah. you got to sweat. But he said that our, our food, our, our bread and our water be sure. shall be sure. And uh, we need, we'll, depend, we'll have to depend on that. So that's what the, angels can still plant gardens and they can grow them quickly. <laughs> so. That's why we need the faith of Jesus yeah. because we yeah. won't be able to survive that and just yeah. something we're calling faith. Yep. You know, positive yep. thinking, you need faith. So I like that when you said the faith in Jesus leads to the faith of Jesus. Yep. That's where I'm going. We better, we better close with prayer. Cause we're, okay. So, but. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the history of how you've protected your people through the ages. And we know by looking at that and looking at Scripture that you will do so in the, in the future. Christ will be glorified. He will come for your people. And we pray that each one of us will be in that group then, as we are now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot org.